0: I'm enjoying my time with you and I'm certainly going to thank Pastor Pete for inviting me to uh, stand in his place during the seven weeks that he's gone. It's It's been a pleasure uh, to be with you and be part of you. When I retired from pastoring I moved my me- membership to the Madonna Church but I haven't been here much because I've been out uh, preaching in other places particularly the last uh, area service was for a year so I wasn't expecting that wasn't planning on it but when duty calls uh, I answered and And enjoyed that time. So we've been in this uh, series called Soul Shift. And uh, this morning we're going to look at ask, uh, from ask to listen. And it's a shift in our posture from asking others first to uh, asking God first. I'm sure if you've been around any length of time at all, I don't think I'm that old. And I kind of lose track of time. But that commercial, the Verizon Wireless commercial, advertised its nationwide covering by showing a man in different places walking around talking on his cell phone saying can you hear me now remember that can you hear me now can you hear me now can you eyes hear me now good uh, and throughout the gospels we see that Jesus spoke about the disciples and learned activity and I, and I think he kept saying to them can you hear me now <laughs> can you hear me now uh, and so they had to learn to discern and, and hear the voice of God. So we look at, at John 10, Mark 3, John 5, and Revelations, just three or four verses. John 10 says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. That's the words of Jesus. Mark chapter 3 says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him, let him hear. And then again in John 5, A time is coming and is now come. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. He was not speaking here only of death, for he said the time has now come. When those who pass from life to death will now hear the voice of the Father. Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him, and he with me, again, the words of Jesus. And he's talking about the fellowship and that intimacy that goes on there when we open the door and invite Christ into our lives. And it's, it's as if Jesus is saying to us this morning, can you hear me now? And so there's this fourth soul shift we must consider as we continue to walk with God, as we continue to grow in the image of Christ, this shift from asking to, to listening. And if you're a follower of Jesus, then, then your life is learning in my life, is is learning how to listen. And from the moment that we're saved, from that moment we come to Christ and and we pass from that time of sleep and slumber to being awake from death to to life, God had this in mind for us to learn how to come toward his voice, to learn how to hear what he's saying. Now, it's hard uh, to hear an inaudible voice. In fact, you might call it crazy. If someone says, you're the kind of person that hears voices. It's probably not a compliment. Uh, they mean you hear voices that aren't really there. That's, uh, and that's where Christians beg to differ. We believe that God still speaks. It's been, I think, over a year ago, uh, Vice President Pence defended his faith after one of the co-hosts of the ABC daytime talk show, The View, crack that pence was mentally ill if he thinks jesus is talking to him Uh, joy behar said it's one thing to talk to jesus it's another thing when jesus talks to you that's called mental illness of course that was on national tv on this talk show and i began reading the uh, you know i heard that and i began to read vice president responded that behar's comments here's what he said are evidence of how out of touch some in the mainstream media are with the values and faith of the American people. So after the public pushed back and the other co-hosts disagreed, a couple of days later, Behar recanted. She said she had been joking and doesn't think Christians are mentally ill. Now, if you believe that, stand in your head because I don't believe it. She, she recanted because she, she was challenged. Anyway... As we, begin to look, as we continue to look at Mark's gospel one more time, just notice the emphasis that Jesus has placed on listening. Mark chapter 4, verses 3 through 23, Jesus began this parable of the sower in a peculiar way. There in verse 3 and 4 of that fourth chapter of Mark, he says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. then he began to describe these four kinds of soil that the sea would fall into and then he said in verse 9 he who has ears to hear let him hear and later then when the disciples came to him and asked Lord what does this parable mean he began to explain to them each kind of soil and, and what it represented and then he added the same peculiar phrase one more time if anyone has ears to hear let him hear in verse 23 so, so the first and the last words of this great parable that Jesus told are, listen and hear. And the whole parable is about how Jesus, how people listen to the voice and the word of God. A few chapters later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain, he was transfigured before them there in chapter 9, that great transfiguration passage, and they watched in disbelief as Jesus' clothing was changed and his face shone like the sun and the disciples heard a voice from heaven say this is my son whom i love listen to him the disciples had been following jesus for 2 years doing everything he asked of them and yet they had to be told and reminded to listen to him we all need to be reminded of that don't they we need to i need to be reminded quite often We've mastered the art of asking. We ask preachers and authors and friends and therapists and life coaches what God wants us to do, but have we really learned to listen? And here's, uh, here are some of the differences between asking and listening. When we ask, we're talking, so our minds are active and busy. But when we really listen, we're not talking, so our minds are passive and open to new directions. When we ask, we want to know something, so our interests are confined to the things that we want to know. But when we really listen, we want to know what God tells us, so that becomes our subject of interest. When we ask, we expect an answer and want it to be clear and practical. We grow impatient with prolonged waiting. But when we listen, we're not in control of the one talking who's, who's God so we're more patient and we're more open to the ambiguous and to waiting when we ask the relationship with the one speaking God is is peripheral we value it only so far as it helps us to know God's will but when we listen our relationship with God is the rele- is the reason we're talking to him to nurture that relationship the disciples were distraught as they were, as, as you can see through scripture, they were distraught that Jesus was going back to heaven. Now you can imagine they were losing their best friend. They, they no longer would have a physical voice to listen to. So Jesus explained, he said there in John chapter 14, I'll ask the father and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. But when he comes, he will guide you into all truth, taking from what is mine and making it known to you. The Holy Spirit only says what Jesus wants him to say. And now he's not only with us, but in us. It's as if Jesus is saying, if you knew what I know, you wouldn't be sad and distraught about me leaving. No, you'd be glad that the day has finally come. The secret, he says, is learning to listen to another voice, one that is just not with you as Jesus was, but one that is in you too. Jesus is asking his disciples and us to make a transition in our faith from that external voice to an internal voice, from asking someone outside first to asking the spirit who is inside us first. From asking for advice to listening for an impression, from being taught to being led, from obedience to discernment, from ask to listen. And that's that's a big shift. That's a hard one to master, but we continually work at it. When we shift from that external motivation to an internal one, it doesn't mean that we never listen to others or that we don't seek advice and certainly we should instead it means that we learn to listen first to god and to seek his voice before turning to others the shift has much to do with prayer and, and then placing ourselves deliberately in a posture of listening to what god may have to say to us and we need to be intentional about our listening in some areas of our lives we've grown deaf to the voice of god we've we've tuned him out or we've listened to other voices over his. But it's beautiful when we purposefully position ourselves toward God. But The more we make this shift from ask to listen, the more we'll learn to live with times of, of contemplation and seasons of waiting. And that's so hard, isn't it? We live in an instant instant world. I mean, when I put something in the microwave, it's done in a few seconds. If I have to wait in line at McDonald's or a uh, a Taco Bell or Burger King or any of those places more than 45 seconds to six. I'm just antsy. What's wrong with those folks in there? What are they doing? Taking a nap? And by the way, don't ever go to the Taco Bell in Wadsworth. It's the slowest fast food restaurant in the world. I mean, I've waited there five, 10, 12 minutes. Okay. Uh, I I don't go. (laughs) I'm impatient. And that's hard for me. Uh, that seasons of waiting in this shift we listen when we wait we we learn to listen with our heart we learn to listen to that still small voice of God it's here that we discover that he does speak to us and then we begin to trust our ability to to know it before the shift we may ask God give me a sign because we want God to decide for us okay give me a sign God you make the decision I want to know after the shift we notice how God strengthens our wisdom and how he'll strengthen our discernment in order to help us make the decision. Before the shift, we ask, what does God want me to do? But after the shift, we listen to what God wants us to become. It's not, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's, Lord, what do you want me to become? Instead of praying, Lord, what should I do? We could ask, Lord, what's what's important to you, the answer to the first question may get us through the next few days, or the next few weeks. Lord, what should I do? The answer to the second question will shape us for the rest of our lives. Lord, what's important to you? Then we'll get the next few weeks thrown in in the deal. Instead of asking really, who should I marry? We we could request, Lord. We we should request, Lord. Teach me love. Instead of who should I marry, Lord, teach me to love, and then the matter of who to marry will soon take care of ourselves. When we ask who to marry, we're asking from our agenda. When we ask God to teach us to love, we're asking from his agenda. When we ask God those kinds of questions, it's truly a better agenda. Until we know how to love, it's probably not as important who we marry as to how we love in our marriage. See, with the right empowerment, the Holy Spirit, when God teaches us to love, marriage actually works. In our lives, like it's supposed to work. In our lives, instead of asking, Lord, why am I in this mess? We could ask, Lord, how can I bring honor to your name in this situation? Once again, the second question is much larger than the first. Yet, It is not a completely different agenda. The last time we visited our daughter and son-in-law over in Maryland, I tried on his noise-canceling Bose headphones. Well, I love Bose anyway. Uh, And I've seen people use these headphones while riding their lawnmowers and while on airplanes. I thought, well, it it might just be a gimmick. But they work. (laughs) While my grandson was making noise and the television was gone and others were talking in the room and music was gone, I hit the earphone noise canceling switch and magically they shut out all the noise and I could hear the music I was listening to and the music only and I think sometimes we need something similar when listening to God we need some kind of noise canceling times and prayer is such a time there's no such noise there's so much noise in our world today the noise of entertainment is constant television radio internet Used to be, it used to be something that we deliberately went to and used, but now with our portable devices, we have trouble shutting things out no matter where we go, don't we? Like bloodthirsty wolves, our emails and our texts and our calls and messenger pursue us at every moment, never allowing us a moment's peace. Sometimes couples, instead of paying attention to one another, even couples text and message and post to other people from bed right before going to sleep. And, and while they're out trying to have a, a dinner at a nice restaurant, I often see couples sitting there texting instead of engaging in conversation with one another. Is that how we treat God? There he sits with us, longing to communicate, he would celebrate us and he would inspire us if only we would carve out time to disconnect with the other voices in our lives to hear his voice. Get alone. Practice the art of contemplation. Maybe you like to fish. Go fishing. Let God speak to you. Maybe you like, I love the, I love the wilderness camp. Man, I love to get out, put a backpack on, and go out where no, no other people go. And there get into God's created world and and talk to him and allow him to speak to me take a day off go to the park disconnect from those those voices practice the art of contemplation of thinking slowly when making life-changing decisions schedule a day alone with god go somewhere without technology take your bible and something to write on read silently or out loud to yourself and then listen for god to speak the key is not to get god to speak up it's to get the world to shut up You see, because God wants us to know His will, He's not He's not trying to hide from us. He's not trying to make it hard. He's not trying to make it this big mystery, this maze we got to go through to discover God's will. No, He wants us to know His will. It's just it's just learning to discern His voice. And do you have ways to do that? You know what serves as your noise canceling device in your routines of life? Now, I love to drive. I mean, I love driving. I just love to drive, and I, I I drive aggressively. I got a friend that sent me a a plaque. He said, uh, uh, what was it? Angels, uh, you can only drive as fast as your angels can fly. (laughs) You know, and I, I put some high performance brakes on my car, and I like, I'm from West Virginia, so I like the curves and the hills, and I like hitting those things. You know, I mean, I just, I love driving. And so, some of the best times with the Lord for me have been in my car alone, going down the road, putting on my worship music, and... Listening to God and worshiping him. I don't know what it is for you, but find that place and time. Uh, Do you have methods that help keep you focused and, and hear the voice of God? If not, you can. That's what it means to move from ask to listen. So how do we discern God's voice? First, when God speaks, it's always consistent with his word and nature. It's always consistent with the nature of Christ. It's always consistent with the nature of God. It's always consistent with his word. He doesn't tell you to do things that are contrary to his word. He'll never command you to be prideful. He never allows us to hold grudges of unforgiveness. If if a voice is telling you to break one of the Ten Commandments, you're not hearing the right voice. God has never said, go ye therefore and commit adultery (laughs) and bear witness while you're at it. Now, this may seem obvious to most of us here, but I've seen and heard of many people who committed adultery on the premise that this is the one God has for me. I married the wrong person. Folks, God God doesn't speak that way. And that's a sure sign that you're not hearing God's voice. Secondly, God's voice is also consistent. Listen to this, it gets more personal. God's voice is consistent with the way that you And I tend to function, and we all function differently. For instance, I tend to make decisions quickly, even impulsive. And and I know that about myself. So so if I sense an impression for God, I begin to pray and, and to seek his guidance. Then I'll wait for God to confirm that he's speaking to me. Okay, I'll let some time go by, and if the impression does not go away... I increase my receptivity and awareness by being open to God to confirm it in other ways. Now, I'm going to give you four examples from our lives, uh, Sharon's lives and, and my life. And, and each time, God confirmed his will in a different way to me, to us. Example one, I was going to Fairmont State College, majoring in computer science and mathematics. And I'd taken all the sciences and math that I could in high school. And, but I began to sense a call to ministry. I'm going, well, wow, that math is going to do me a lot of good in, you know, in ministry. Uh, so I said to myself, well, it's, I, it's just my impulse. Okay, I, I, I heard a sermon about answering God's call to full-time ministry, but, and I couldn't shake it. It kept returning. And God spoke to me very clearly one evening as I sat in our home on the floor, and I just finished reading scripture and praying and seeking his will. And, and I, I said, God, okay, if, if this is you, one more test. Speak through my wife. Well, Sharon is, my, is the middle daughter of a Nazarene pastor. She's lived in a parsonage all her life, except for the time that she went to college. <laughs> and then it was Trevecca Nazarene College. And as a adult, as her al- she was the one of her sisters who said, I don't want to marry a preacher. By the way, her and both her sisters are all married to Nazarene pastors. <laughs> she was the one that said, well, I really don't, I really don't want to marry a, a preacher. So I knew that, and I said, God, if this is you, then, then my wife's going to have to be on board. So, so God, if this is you, uh, and so I, I, when she came home, I began to tell her and explain to her what I was sensing. And she said, well, what are you waiting for? Let's get packing. And that was just kind of the final confirmation. Because I tend to make impulsive decisions, I, I wait for God to confirm it. Second example is in seeking where to go to college. Uh, After I felt the call, Sharon and I made trips to to Trevecca in in Nashville, and that's her alma mater. And we made uh, trips to Mount Vernon and through a series of uh, pretty fantastic events, uh, through open and closed doors, we settled on Mount Vernon as being the will of God for our lives and we had a great experience there so that particular situation after praying and be open to gods and meeting people and that series of open and closed doors we settled on where to go to school third example I had graduated from Mount Vernon and served as minister of music and youth for about four years in Gallipolis Ohio and while I was there serving as youth pastor and And music pastor, I I began to feel more of a call to pastoral ministry. And so in trying to decide where to get my education that I needed for ordination, I settled on going back to Mount Vernon. And that was that. That was God's will. That's what what I'm going to do. Well, God first tried to speak to me through my wife again. And uh, she said, well, why would you go back to Mount Vernon? If you're going back to school, why not go to seminary and get a master's degree, okay? I said, nope, don't think so. I'm going to Mount Vernon. That's that. Secondly, a pastor friend of mine came from another town and called and wanted to have lunch. Well, his intention was to ask me a question. Why would you get another bachelor's degree when, if you're going back to school anyway, you could get a master's at Nazarene Seminary? (laughs) Uh, Number two, okay? Number three, the pastor I was working with as an associate at that time took me to lunch, and he said the same thing. He said, "Now I don't want to lose you, and I hate to lose you, but if you're going to leave anyway... Uh, Why don't you go, why would you go back to Mount Vernon? (laughs) Why don't you go to seminary? So I finally told God, okay, I get the message. And when I got honest with myself, I just wanted to do what was the easiest, okay? Not what was best. Mount Vernon was the easiest. It was familiar territory. I'd been there before. I didn't have to move that far again, okay? I just wanted to do what was best instead of moving halfway across the country and starting all over somewhere fresh. But it proved to be a great experience. I found gainful employment. I found a great place to live, a good church to serve, and a great pastor to work with. In fact, he he taught me how to be a pastor, Dick Bond. It proved to be a wise choice. And then the last example was a major, a major decision that we were making together was to return as a pastor to the same church for the second time. And in this situation, all the advice... Again, God spoke in different ways. I was getting advice from caring, godly people, uh, people who loved us, pastors, Sharon's dad. And all of it was contrary to what Sharon and I felt God was saying to us in prayer. What God was saying to me in prayer, and we prayed separately, we come together. What God was saying to me in prayer was the exact same thing God was saying to Sharon in prayer. So I called the district superintendent from Kansas City. I told him what we were thinking. And he said, knowing you and knowing the church, I think it will work. And so he presented our name back to the church board. Three ladies on the board began weeping. And they told the district superintendent, they've been praying ever since we left, that we would return. So after six months, we returned for three and a half more years of successful ministry. See, so you see, God spoke different ways at different times, but the key was we began to pray. We, we began to place ourselves in, a, in, a, in an intentional mode, posture of allowing God to speak to us. God, we want to know your will. Now, I'm not going to tell you about the story where I didn't listen to my wife, okay? One of those uh, prideful, independent times in my life, I, I just didn't listen to her. And it was the worst decision I've made in my entire life. So we got to be careful. How, God, how do you want to speak? And then let him speak. You see, often we shut people out because they don't say what we want to hear <laughs> when God may be trying to say something else to us. Now, other people take... A, I'm imp, I tend to be impulsive, so other people take a long time to make an important decision. So when God speaks... He works far in advance. He gives them a sort of shot across the bow, a circumstance, an offer, or a chance conversation that requires no immediate decision, but that sets them up to make a decision later on. Other people always make their decisions in the company of friends. So God carefully surrounds them with wise people long before they have to decide anything. Some people have to fill it before they can make a decision. So God tends to develop their feelings and curiosity and their level of comfort long before they have to decide. And God knows the way that we start to change. He's an individual God. We're all individuals. We process stuff differently. We process decisions differently. We process life differently. We have two daughters, and I tell you, they're they're about as opposite as you can get. Amy is an intellectual; she process every, processes everything right here. Sarah is very emotional; she processes everything by talking, <laughs> by emotions. She'll tell you this big long story, and she's she's so emotional about it, and she, she brings you into her story, and then you don't sleep that night, and you pray, and then you call her the next morning, and you say, "How you doing?" Oh, I'm doing great. We're having lunch down at the, you know, we're having seafood down here. I mean, with the guy you just broke up with, and yeah, so you know, she had to talk. She just had to once she talks through it, and she's fine. So we're all we're all different. It's it's funny to watch those two to try to communicate. <laughs> I told my dad, you guys are like that. You know, you you never can. You got to understand each other. But he knows. He knows us. Uh, he knows uh, the way that we start to change He knows what will hook us A new action, a new emotion, a new thought And he leverages that to, to shift in us from, from asking to listening If you sense that God is speaking to you, pray Read his word, begin to listen and Say, God, confirm what I, this impression I have in my life and Then look for, for God to do that To confirm his will through impressions, through other people, through circumstances. God speaks to us in a variety of ways. No matter which way God chooses to speak to us, there's only one answer to give. And that's yes. Once you hear from God and you're sure of his will, yes is the only reply. Now you can say no, but then I begin to ask, well, will he really direct you if he knows no is not going to be your answer? We want to hear from him, that's for sure. But are we ready to say yes? Are we ready to listen and do whatever he asks? Should it be not the answer we want to hear? There's no reason to ask if we're not going to willfully cooperate with God's will for us. Do you hear voices? I mean, the good kind, the voice of God. You never know what he might want to tell you. It could change your life. So, you know, I just share those personal examples because... uh, we often feel like God wants to hide his will. No, he wants to make it known. We just have to place ourselves in a position to listen. So as you reflect, and I have always include questions, you know, what impressions, what did the Holy Spirit say to you right now in this place? Because if you don't write it down or make a note to yourself, you go out, maybe we'll forget it. So what, what impressions have you received during this sermon? And again, how could you restructure your quiet time for God to more clearly reveal himself to you? What patterns do you have in, in your life for God to speak and to find you? Think about the last big decision you made. How did you make it? Who helped you? What part did God have in helping you decide? And What is the difference between asking someone something and really listening to them? Are there obstacles in your life that make it hard for you to really listen to others? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you you clearly have revealed yourself to us in the book of creation. The heavens declare your glory. The skies proclaim the works of your hands. Day by day they pour forth speech. Night by night they display knowledge. The apostle Paul said, sometimes we even understand those things which we cannot see by the things we can see your creation. And so the book of creation and then the book of your holy word, the Bible, that's been written down for us, you've revealed yourself. But Father, you have ultimately revealed yourself to us through your living word. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Everything that was created was created through him. In him was light and life which dispels our darkness and death. We beheld his glory, the glory of the one only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Lord, help help us to be people of grace that we don't become legalists and help us to be people of truth that we may not just be sentimentalists. It takes both grace and truth. And as we listen to your voice, you've spoken to us in so many ways, but then you speak to us through circumstances, through friends, through prayer, through a song, through good literature, through a movie. You're not limited in the ways you speak to us. But Father, help us to posture ourselves to be intentionally and purposefully listening for your voice. Lord, I thank you for this group of followers. Help us all as we make these shifts in our lives to follow you, that you may continue and to continue restoring your image in us. Lord, help us to be people known by who we follow more than what we're against. May who we follow be the main narrative in our lives. We are following the resurrected Jesus who has spoken life into our lives. May that be reflected in every relationship, every conversation. And Lord, help us to go beyond the question of what should I do, that question of what shall I become. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.